Hey, it's your boy, Dave, for the Connected One. We are here today with the one, the only, Nick Cowling, who is the CEO of Citizens Relations. Today, Nick and I are going to chat about the rebrand of the agency and some of the major changes they've had to the leadership change. But as well, we're also going to get Picnic's brain and talk to him about what it's been like to grow this agency over the last 10 years. Actually, now, I guess 11 years, but we'll get it all into that. First thing I want to say, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dave. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, for talking a little bit about Citizen. Look forward to it. It has been a long time since we chatted, not just because of the pandemic, but you've been traveling all over the damn world. Eight offices. When did that happen? You guys are just growing like crazy. So congratulations on this on the success. I believe over the last couple of years, despite the pandemic, you guys have had what is it, twenty percent consistent growth. Yeah, we had, uh, listen, I think the pandemic, I know it, it sort of caused challenges for every business on the planet. But um, so we had obviously a bit of a stall while our clients were kind of figuring out what's what's happening in March, April. Um, but man, we just came back uh, and tore it up the rest of 2020. In 2021, we saw almost 27% growth. Um, wow. This year, I would say we're on track to do 24% on top of that. Um, so no, it's been it's been going really well. I can tell you some things we've done and uh, uh, purposely, and then some other things like you know you always got to count on a bit of a bit of luck too. But um, sure, uh, particularly in a people business, right? Like finding great talent that's going to help to drive you forward. You can have the best job description on the planet, but if you don't find that right sort of mix of you know personality, talent, background, experience, that sort of whole diverse schematic then it may not work out the way you want and we've Very we've true. we've had some tremendous uh finds in, in that area too for the last couple of years good stuff so first let's start on the rebrand um that's something that you guys unveiled this week what was the business decision behind doing a rebrand well a couple of things i think we had our last rebrand only happened in 2018 Dave, so it does seem like quick to be doing another one. Yeah. Um, I would say the 2018 one was a little bit out of necessity. We had um, our original brand was, I don't know if you remember, it had like this red origami bird in it. And I think yep. you, I think I'll call it tagline because it didn't really uh, transpire into much more, was our ideas take flight. <clears throat> and over time, to be perfectly frank, that origami bird just became less relevant for everyone. Uh, we, okay. we, and so 2018, what we had a new CEO who came in at the time, Jim Joseph, he wasn't with us for very long, but when he got here, he certainly saw that, that need. And I would, I will say that one, I don't want to call it rush, but it was done quickly. Um, it looked good, but it didn't really, uh, deliver today on kind of who we are as an agency and certainly who we want to become. And so when we were going, you know, from a timing perspective, where we were launching a new website and I said, uh, I remember actually talking to Josh, uh, Bud, our CCO and said like, Hey, do we want to do anything visually different? Because if we do, we got to do it with the new site. Um, and the team did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. I have never, I've been here 15 years. So I was here even, you know, pre, pre-citizen, if you will. Yeah. I've never been as excited about the brand as I am right now. Um, and I'll tell you, I had very little to do with it. All, you know, all I did was stamp of approval. Um, okay. It's, it is, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's, it delivers so much 
in the narrative, in the story, we, you know, we reshaped our values. Um, um, it's, you know, it's really the whole package and, and the team loves it. I think everyone we've talked about it, our clients and otherwise are, are pretty excited about it. Um, and again, sometimes it feels like when you, you see these rebrands, it's just about, you know, changing the palette or the font or, uh, you know, a new, a new tagline or something of that nature. Um, and listen on the surface that may look like it for us as well, but it's, uh, it's been defining. It really has. So what, I mean, what else is happening besides the, you know, the, the, the new logo, like you said, you're excited, but what else is happening internally? You know, what is it that clients can expect? What is it that competitors can, should be scared of? I'll use that term. What <laughs> is it the industry um, should expect now with this new citizen relations coming out? Well, we've been working on that. We actually, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't mind sharing. We actually took the pandemic, uh, even in 2020, as saying like, you know what, this is the moment where, and I don't want to say we did anything in, in particular uh, or in respect to the industry, but we looked inwards and said, most companies will probably look at how are we going to just salvage um, and protect what we have. We had a unique opportunity. Again, you know, things were going pretty well. Uh, we were, we fit pretty smoothly into that remote environment because we already had a work from anywhere policy and people were already flexibly working on a regular basis anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and said, you know what, now's the time if we're going to break through or we're going to leapfrog or we're going to do something different, let's, let's do it now. Um, no okay. secret, there was lots of opportunities and subsidies. There was, you know, uh, governments and, and uh, trade groups were looking for ways to uh, invest in innovation and talent and so forth. And sort of like, we're going to take full advantage of all of that. And let's let's dig in and let's do something. All of the things that we've had on our wish list, let's pick the, you know, let's pick some important ones and move them forward. Um, and so that's what we did. We, you know, at the end of 2020, we got into, I'd say effectively, that's when we kind of started to build out our social impact um, practice, which is not about purpose communications. The two work together, but our social impact group is about development, right? So it's about systems change and how do you create the programs to make that happen for our clients? Once we're able to kind of put the, I'll call it the meat in that sandwich, then that's when we can communicate, you know, do communication and marketing around the impact that's being had by our clients, as opposed to their aspirations, right? Or just the fact that they have an ESG strategy. It's like, how do we move the needle for you and then get people excited about how all the stuff that you get, you're getting done. So it almost sounds like you're moving out of the sort of traditional definition of what PR is. Well, we're not moving out of that. We're a PR firm. We'll always be PR led um, at minimum. Um, I think the gap we saw with that was there was, I mean, no, no secret. Like, listen, if you look at all the can winners, mm-hmm. almost a hundred percent of them, um, and I'll use that as broadly like marketing in general, they're all purpose based. Right. Companies, I mean, we saw through 2020 with, uh, again, both the pandemic, the impact on mental health, the rise of social justice and so forth. Companies were saying, hey, you know what? We got to stand for more than just selling products and services. We actually, we legitimately do need to either live up to our values or give back, or we need to play a, a larger role because not everything can be left up to government and other institutions. But they, listen, they're already pretty... Uh, focused on their existing business and their their whatever they were doing, their businesses were not solving 
world social challenges. However, they wanted to play a big role. They are great at giving money. They're great at finding a partner to give it to, but they wanted to do more. And so to take a look at, you know, if you want to solve something like food insecurity or uh, homelessness, like it's not a single edged issue, right? If you want to look at the dropout rate, it's not about kids staying in school. It's about uh, the transportation, how far they have to go to get to their school, you know, what kind of um, opportunities do they actually have? Do they have access to the right technology or musical instruments or whatever it is they need to be successful in that place? It's about the care of teachers. It's about the uh, opportunity and communication with parents. It's like a whole myriad of issues that need to be solved. And, you know, if I'm any company X, Y, and Z to come in and solve those issues is not my business. I, I might make microchips but I want to have an impact here and that's not my business. So we wanted to come in to say, okay, let's take a look at the landscape. Let's make sure that you're having an impact in the right places and you've got engaging with the right partners and we're structuring it in the right way that you can actually measure your impact so that you know, if you're trying to reduce the dropout rate, you want to take it from 50% to 10 um, and what period of time and what's going to be required and how broad or narrow do we need to be in order to come up with the right the right uh, programs to create that systems change. Now, that's, what, your... that's what the social impact does. All the okay. communication and marketing around how amazing it is and how more companies or other institutions should get involved or how do we you know get kids into the program, whatever it is. That's where the 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 I'll say the you know the external marketing, the the more traditional citizen still yep. plays a role. But we need someone to be able to solve the big meaty problem in the middle first. Okay. Now, I think this question may tie into you know a lot of what you just talked about. But as part of your rebranding, you also reference modern citizen. Who is the yes. modern citizen now? You know, to, in twenty twenty two at the at the tail end of it. You know, who is the modern citizen? Well, I wouldn't say like there's one persona in that modern citizen, but what we did is we took a look and said like, what are, this is where, when I think I mentioned to you earlier about kind of reshaping our values. Mm -hmm. We've had longstanding values that we still felt really strong about, but we thought, you know, well, let's take a look at, do they match up with sort of the, uh, what we're seeing in the marketplace today in regards to our employees, but also whether it's the consumers or other stakeholders that we're trying to connect with on behalf of our clients. And we honed in on three things and like, listen, no, no secret. The last couple of years, there's probably been decades worth of uh, a change from a social justice or, or equity per se. Not that there isn't freaking miles to go there. Of course there is. However, there's been a different level of awareness. There's been a different, uh, a different, I'll say voice saying, you know, almost demanding that this stuff needs to happen faster. Um, and that, the superficial approach is just no longer going to cut it. Okay. Um, so we took and said, you know what, let's, let's reshape these. Our first value is championing equity. And what is that going to mean for us? Right. So that's not just about representation. It has to be much beyond that, but how are we going to be a champion for inclusivity, both inside of citizen? So what are some of the structures we need to tear down the policies that need to change the, way we look at promotions or how we're doing recruiting or, you know, I don't mind telling you in Canada, for instance, we don't have, I believe, one employee that identifies as Indigenous today. Wow. In a country that has a, what, 9% of the population would identify as Indigenous, we are behind the mark. 
And so how are we going to fix that? Not because we need to fix, we want the representation numbers to happen, but because, you know, if we just went out and tried to, let's say, find, you know, whatever, 12 people, um, that would be one thing, but we're never going to be, we're never going to be able to actually uh, benefit as a team or as an agency from that group unless, okay, we need to make it so that they're not just uh, uh, feeling like they're welcome, but they're actually an become an integral part of the team. How are we going to leverage the diversity uh, amongst the team unless we do things differently? So, and and part of that on, from an external perspective is saying like, you know what, let's talk to the agency or the, you know, we do this by region at large and say like, what are the issues that are really concerning you? We're going to put some pro bono time and money on the table. Um, what should we go out? What do you want to help to support? And then following through on that, right? We can't just ask our guys to and girls to work as super hard as possible for their clients. We also right. want to be a place where they can be really engaged in, um, in the work that we're doing when we're not even making any money. In fact, when we're putting money on the table, it's coming out of our pocket in that scenario. Um, so championing equity, set the standard. Um, the idea that everything today is sort of as good as it should be is, you know, is ludicrous. Um, you know, we don't believe in a status quo and we know that good ideas and sounds a little bit cliche can really kind of come from anywhere, but particularly the, a new way of doing things in this sort of, you know, modern world is going to come probably from some of our youngest employees, right? The Gen Z's or eventually alpha and, and whatnot, especially as we look at communicating, right? I mean, it would be so nice, you know, I know at some point we'll talk about what's, what's sort of changed in PR from my career, but like, you know, I spent my first day at an agency faxing news releases to newsrooms and making sure that they got it in the one fax machine in the middle of their area. Right. right? Now, you know, I mean, it's, it, I find it sad in some ways, but there's so many people, a big percentage of the population doesn't even get their news from what we'll call a traditional outlet anymore. Right. They're getting right. it from social feed or they're getting it from a blog or it's again, completely democratized. And uh, and so therefore we have to kind of understand and do things differently so that we're leveraging the whole conversation stream as opposed to just the, the outlets that used to be designated as, you know, sort of PR led. Um, I think PR, I don't want to call it a state of mind. I think it's actually an approach, right? We talk about conversation really being the currency, right? Mm -hmm. There's probably not often you can think about a decision you've made without having a conversation with someone in your life, be it online or, or in person. It's that conversation we look at as being the, the, the quality. And so how can we design or foster um, and continue to kind of push forward a conversation that's going to be good for whatever campaign we're doing in the marketplace? Now, and one thing at the at the top I already mentioned, you guys recently celebrated your 10, 10 year anniversary. So again, congratulations on that. Um, I think it's in Canada, or if not just across North America in general, the average business does not survive five years. How did you guys make it to 10? Well, uh, listen, I think we've had, we have the the benefit of being, you know, owned by, I'll call it a holding company. I don't think they actually operate anything like a holding company, but a parent company, right? And, you know, we're part of a network. So there's, there's certain stability and, and support in that. However, we've done, you know, I mean, since we've become citizen, we've, we've done incredibly well. Um, I think it's a balance of having both that, again, that sort of support 
uh, and foundation from our parent that has given us the wherewithal to say like, hey, let's try new things. We can experiment. We can evolve. If it doesn't work, we, you know, we, we fail fast, right? It's a, it's a key component at Citizen. Doesn't mean that we're going to give up on it, but it means we need to pivot. If there's a better way to do it, we better find it because this way is not working, right? Sure. And sometimes we're just going to go, okay, we tried that and it didn't work out at all. And we don't see a solution. So we're going to like cut that off and put those resources into something else. Um, and so I feel like I'll call it a start, a startup mentality. It's maybe a bit cliche. We have just said, we're always going to push forward, right? I talked, I mentioned about not believing in the status quo, mm -hmm. um, being that, you know what, you are either moving forward or you're moving backwards and it's the choice is yours and, uh, resting on your laurels is moving backwards because everyone else is going to be, uh, keep, keep moving forward. Um, so we've had, <clears throat> again, we've used different markets or offices to sort of experiment with different things. When they start to go really well, we roll them out into other other offices or other markets. Sometimes we need to, you know, do some sort of ge uh, uh, geographic uh, or regional um, tweaks. But more often than not, if we're talking about a new product, it's really about being applied to the client's needs as opposed to having to you know do it differently in in vancouver versus london versus orange county right and it's eight offices a day so are we going to expect more acquisitions next year or the year after yeah we are i would say our focus right now we have a we have a great team in the us um and we've seen some significant growth the last couple of years but we are still a small agency in the us right so i would say in the US, we're probably in the top 65 to 70. I'd like us to be in the top 20. Right. Um, and so it, it's just an enormous market. And I say this with great respect to, to all of our, our clients and colleagues. But if I have a parent company that's based in the US, let's call it a, you know, whatever, it could be a, a CPG or food and bev, whatever it is, they are more often than not to say like, hey, I'm really like working with my US agency, let's look at them in other markets. Then right. if I'm working in in Canada with an agency, and let's say it's a subsidiary of that big US group, going the other way around is, or, you know, in reverse, if you will, saying, oh, we have, mm -hmm. we're doing some great work in Canada, you should look at them in the US. It just doesn't right. happen that way. Sure. Uh, on occasion, but incredibly rare, right? Um. And so, you know, I've always said to some of my, you know, international competitors, one of the things I envy most is like, you know, in another market, they could wake up on a Monday morning and the U.S. team is just one piece of business that happens to include them, right? It's, I don't, I don't see that there's a lot of globalization happening. I still feel like that's uh, very cyclical. Some clients will go from, hey, I want best in breed in each country to now I want one global agency that kind of goes back and forth. And I, I think that cycle will continue. Um, okay. But if we if we build up our U.S. Uh, presence, I think it will be great for everybody. Um, we are looking at expansion. We might do it organically in the EU. Um, right. We're doing quite a bit of work from our U.K. office across Europe. And so I do see some opportunities and, you know, probably, I mean, definitely um, uh, like a Germany and France in particular. And we have the benefit, we have, you know, one of our sister agencies, we are socials offices in both of those markets and, and others, right? They're, they're in Spain, they're in Amsterdam. So we'd have options from, a, a, you know, structural and operational facilities. Like we could, we can walk into an office tomorrow 
uh, we don't have to worry about fixing any of that sort of overhead stuff. So it would really just be about finding great talent in that market and, and get going. So um, we've talked a lot, talked a lot about the business. Sorry to cut you off there. We've talked no, a lot right. about the business. We've talked a lot about the growth, but from the start of it, you've been there. You've been the one consistent thing. Again, your team has been there for a long time. You've got a lot of you know strong leadership, but you've been yeah. the, the consistent thing that's been there from day one. So tell us, how have you grown over the last 10 years, Nick, professionally and personally? Hmm. Well, professionally, I have just, I, you know, I'm a big fan of two things, right? Lean into your strengths and you can't be strong at everything. So I try to be as honest about what that is for me. Um, and then the, the, the second part is when you recognize there's areas you're not good at, you have to allow others to do that for you or at least play a bigger role. And I think I've just gotten better at that over time. So listen, I am, and I'll be the first to admit it, I am very much a what's next. That's my favorite question, right? What sure. is next for this industry? What is next for citizen? What's next for me? I love to experiment. I love to try new things. I am always thinking about what I think would be both beneficial and valuable and, and interesting for our, for our clients and or clients we haven't got yet. Um, and, but I am, how would I put this? It's like, I am not the guy who is going to go right to the end. Like the, my follow through is not my strong set. So okay. I will, I will set things up. I can get things resourced. I can find the funding. I can make all of that stuff work. Um, and then I want to literally find someone who's going to be equally excited about it and is going mm -hmm. to drive it forward. Um, and, and then I'm again, much better at coming into saying like, Hey, whether I think the strategy is working and, or how we might be able to tweak it to make it better. Like that's sort of the viewpoint, but the mm -hmm. details never been my strong suit, never been my okay. strong suit. Um, and so I'll, I say, I'll, I do all of that. And I don't want to say that's why, you know, I've been elevated. I think I mentioned earlier about getting the, the, some really great talent that is critical, right? Like I look for people who are not going to think like me. Sometimes I, I need some of those like-minded thinkers. And so there are some of those on the team as well, but I need some that are completely different. They might be more analytical. They might be more focused on operations or details. They might be, um, you know, maybe they even have different experience or, or, or completely different skill set. Um, you know, I've, mentioned I was, you know, used to uh, spent my first day at a fax machine, yep. um, you know, in the days when reporters didn't even have email. So, you know, kind of having an email was almost not useless, but didn't do you a lot of good <laughs> in, uh, in my early years. Um, all of that to say, like, listen, I keep up uh, as best I can with technology, but I am not mm -hmm. by any means, uh, you know, uh, a digital wizard. And so we've just, you know, one of the places we're going, we're pushing forward is, is going to be in the digital space where we're actually at what I think are going to create some industry breaking products in the, in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, nice. But I had to find someone who was going to do that. So I hired a, an amazing chief digital officer. Again, what I'll call, I lucked out in finding the, like the, the perfect candidate um, out of New York Um and she's building a team that is just going to, I think it's going to, we're going to start to blow people's minds with sort of what we're able to do. Sounds exciting. So did I answer your question? First, oh, I didn't tell you personally. Um, listen, I've been at Citizen, it's just over 15 years. I started at Optimum in uh, October 2007. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I would say personally, like this is the longest job I've ever had. And people ask me what's kept me at Citizen a hundred times. I still tell them the same thing. It's the environment for me. I've I've always woken up feeling like uh, whether I had a good day or a bad day the day before, I know destiny is sort of you know within my within my control. I've got lots of opportunity to go out and do some things that are both interesting and fun. Um, and uh, you know, work. I I I'm in a place where I get to select the people I get to work with. But because of that. Um, it really, really makes every day, not just a variety, it actually makes it exciting because there's, again, just so much great talent um, that, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm impressed and learning something every day. And as long as that happens, I'm not going anywhere. So. Sounds like your story and journey for citizen relations is just beginning. I feel like it could be. I feel like it could be, even though I've been here 15 years and and now I'm the CEO. It's, um, uh, you know, I would not have pictured that when I first started. Uh, but I'm again, I'm so excited and and proud of kind of you know where I'm working today. All right. Well, there you have it. The one, the only Nick Cowling, CEO of Citizens Relations, celebrating 10 years, celebrating a great, successful rebrand and. He surrounds himself with amazing talent. Nick, appreciate your time catching up today. We'll talk to you very soon. Thanks, Dave. 